So the top three was pretty obvious going into Sunday. Alabama's one, Clemson's two, Ohio State is three. But everyone wanted to know who would get that four spot, Notre Dame or Texas A&M, or could Cincinnati even sneak in there, even though I don't think that should have been a, a conversation to begin with. But do you believe the committee got it right? You know, it's funny because, Kendall, going into the last couple weeks of the season, you and I kind of have the same sentiment. If Notre Dame can just hang with Clemson and make it a close game, then they have a shot to get in. Then we like them in. Otherwise, kick them out. But after a 34-3 bludgeoning, I was like, okay. I mean, I still think Notre Dame is the fourth best team, which is completely contrary to what I had said. But I really do think they got it right. I think Notre Dame is going to be a team that will give um, Alabama a better game than A&M was. We already saw A&M got throttled by the Crimson Tide early in the season. So, uh, from a fan's perspective, I'm glad we don't have A&M in this thing. I think Notre Dame has played uh, pretty well all season. And more importantly, more than anything, they have the best win in my eyes, beating Clemson. I think that really is what the committee took into account uh, at the end of the day. Yeah. I think So I think Notre Dame got in just because Notre Dame's been the better team all season. I know they had that blowout loss to Clemson, but that still doesn't change the fact that they beat Clemson early in the year. I know they didn't have Trevor Lawrence playing and DJ played great. But that doesn't change the fact that they beat a Clemson team who hadn't lost a regular season game in two years, um, had played in back-to-back national championships. And I'm not sure DJ isn't one of the five or six best quarterbacks in college football anyway. And then they also beat a good North Carolina team who's ranked number 13 by two touchdowns on the road. And then with A&M, we know that they won seven straight games in the SEC. But, I mean, only two of those teams had a winning record. Um, And then their best win was to a – Three lost Florida team who also lost to LSU, and then to a four loss Arbor team who lost to South Carolina and also wasn't very good this year. Um, Notre Dame was 11th in scoring margin, and Texas A&M was 27th. So I mean, I know people don't want to see Notre Dame in the big game because you know every time they go there, they lose to the Alabamas, they lose to the Clemsons. They're probably going to lose to Alabama by three touchdowns. But I mean. That still doesn't change the fact that I think Notre Dame has been the better team all season. No, I completely agree. And I, I want to backtrack. I said 34-3 because it was 34-3 the entirety of the game. I know yeah. it was 34-10 at the conclusion. Oh, they had to help it out. You can't have uh, a 31-point loss and A&M only has a 28-point yeah. loss. You got you to gotta give yourself the edge in that category. It's all about cosmetics, right? <laughs> so I think you hit it on the head, but Notre Dame has been the better team all season, and, and that's what I think the committee took into account at the end of the day. I mean, A&M's going to have their hands full in the bowl game with North Carolina, so we're going to we're gonna see who A&M is uh, regardless of what they're playing in this in this playoff or not. Yeah, so was Alabama, I think they're a 17.5-point favorite over Notre Dame, which is the largest spread in the history of the college football playoff. I honestly thought it'd be kind of higher, so, I mean, <laughs> I thought – Do you have any money on that, Kendall? Um, I mean, like I want to, but when, I don't know, because Alabama, they, the like Florida kept it close with them. Like I thought Florida would at least lose by three touchdowns and they played them tough the entire game. And I'm not saying that, um, I don't know if Notre Dame's a better team than Florida, but I mean, the notion that they would just completely blow through every team in college football, like talking about Alabama, it's just not true especially when you're playing some of these top teams. I mean, Notre Dame does some things well and stuff like that. They're definitely better this year than they were back in 18, and then when they got blown up by them in uh, 
the 2012 national championship game and they're physical up front, which I think is the big thing, which really separates some of these other teams. That's why um, these big 12 teams don't really match up with SEC teams or, um, you know, even in Ohio State or something like that, because they're not as physical up front. Notre Dame is physical and they have the athletes to match it. They just don't have the same physicality and match with a Clemson or an Alabama. So, I mean, I guess it'll be interesting to see. I don't know. I think I'll take another week, you know, to figure things out and then they'll go from there, you know, review some film. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I think you hit it on the head with the front seven of Notre Dame uh, being light years better than they were when they got blown out by Alabama in the championship all those years ago. Um, What it comes down to for me is watching Florida and then comparing what I see with them versus Notre Dame. I still think Florida matches up better with Alabama, and they kept it within, what was it, about about seven, Yeah, six, seven, something like that. And so for Notre Dame, um, I worry about Ian Book being able to to get it out to his guys in space and for them being able to run the ball enough uh, to be able to keep this Alabama defense off balance because Alabama, obviously – they don't play their best game defensively against Florida, but it's going to be a whole different ball game if they got to play those skilled players of Notre Dame who are good in their own right. But I think uh, that they're, you know, Ian Book's not Kyle Trask is what it comes down to for me. So uh, I, I think 17 is 17 was the same spread they gave Florida actually going to the SEC championship game. Uh, I don't know if Notre Dame's covered 17. No. Yeah. I mean, I know, like, it felt like when watching that Alabama-Florida game, it felt like early in the year when they played Ole Miss. Like, I know Nick Saban was sick. Like, he's sitting there. Yeah. Um, they showed it a few times on the camera. Um, what was it? I don't know who the DC is for, for Alabama. I'm forgetting the name at the top of my head. But you can see Saban getting on him, uh, Saban coaching. Even if you're a coach for Saban, you're going to get coached up by Nick Saban. You can just tell yeah. that he was sick on that sideline watching that game. Like, they had no answers. And then also, again, I want to give a quick shout-out to Kadarius Tony because that's two weeks in a row now. At LSU, he was phenomenal. And then last week against Alabama, he's gone out there two straight weeks, and he's given everything he's had. I mean, I don't know what his draft stock looks like now. He could honestly sneak into the late first round with the way he's played and with everything that he can do. But early second is probably more realistic. But Kadarius Tone is a baller. I want to give some shout-out to him. He's given everything he's had the last two weeks, and they don't have a win to show for it. He's lighting in a bottle. I'm with you. I think he's quietly been one of the best players in the country when the ball's in his hands. So, uh, like like you said, his NFL draft stock, I'm not 100% in tune with, but he's going to make some one of these 32 teams very happy on Sundays. Oh, definitely. So, I want to get your thoughts on uh, on this. So, I think people need to stop with um, talking about a group of five team getting into the playoff because, one, it's not going to happen, and, two, they're not going to win the game. So I think it's a different, I think because, you know, Boise State beat Oklahoma and then um, UCF beat Auburn a couple years ago. I don't want to say that they have no chance, but I think in the era of the college football playoff where that the recruiting is so top heavy, like we see this past couple years, everybody wants to go to Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson that they stockpile on these guys. Like we've seen. Alabama throwing their backups in their third string, and they got these five-star kids running around on everybody. And, like, I mean, why would you not want to if you're a top recruit? 
Every yeah. every time you watch the rankings come out, you see Alabama on it. Every second Monday of January, you're seeing Alabama and Clemson in the national championship. So why would you not want to go to these schools? And I don't want this to be a me hating on the group of five kind of take because there are a little, lot of group of five teams. Good, like There's a lot of good group of five teams this year. Uh, Coastal Carolina, uh, Louisiana, Nevada, San Jose State, uh, Cincinnati. But trying to expand the playoff so we can see Alabama play Coastal Carolina and Clemson play Cincinnati. Like, yeah, I'm going to tune in, but I mean, I also don't want to watch a 70-7 to playoff game, which is more likely what it would be. Like, Cincinnati needed a game-winning field goal to beat Tulsa. And Tulsa's a good team this year. But you want them to go play Alabama? Like, no. No. No shot. No yeah. shot. I think that's 100% the right way to go about it. And I think you made an interesting point. Recruiting these days is so top-heavy. I think Joel Platt actually agreed with you and tweeted something about the only teams to ever win a college football playoff game are Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, uh, I believe it was Georgia, LSU, and Oregon. And in that same order, I don't know, I'm probably butchered the order there, but all six of those teams, I think I just named, uh, have been the last few years consistently uh, the top teams when it comes to recruiting. So, I mean, it, it, I think high school kids are, are agreeing with you, Ken. They want to go play for teams that are going to have a shot to take home the ultimate prize. And so when it comes down to that, I think you hit it on the head. And when it comes to group of five, uh, I just don't even see why the playoff is that much more fun for people. I get maybe you get some fun matchups, but you get those in bowl games. Uh, the playoff sorts itself out during the regular season with rivalry weekend. Um, it makes the regular season so much more important. I mean, I've always compared it to March Madness, right? Like, you don't really watch college basketball until March Madness. Everything else is pretty irrelevant until maybe those conference tournaments, but really the big tournament at the end of the year. I think college football would be doing a disservice to themselves if they were to cheapen the regular season so much to where they expanded it to a playoff that you could be in with two losses, probably three losses if you're some of these other teams. So, uh, I think some, team, some some people have said are in favor of a 16-team playoff. So I'm I'm very much out on that. I think keep it the way it is. It's worked so far. The right team has won the national championship. I don't know when the last time someone disagreed with who the national champion was at the end of the year. So the right team's winning. The right teams are competing. If teams want to change this up, we need to, they need to send their recruiting. Yeah. Win more, need to recruit better. I mean, that's, that's, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, I love the fourteen playoff. Like you, like you said, it creates more urgency in the regular season. Um, you can't have these two losses. Like you can lose a game; it just has to be kind of you know to the right opponent and stuff like that. But like here we are again for uh, what is this the sixth year that we are really debating a really flawed number fourteen. Like everybody, like I know a lot of people aren't fans of Notre Dame and stuff like that. Um, and then the other half aren't fans of Texas A&M, which is kind of a problem if we're debating the top four teams in the country. Like, we're debating very flawed football teams at number four, and people want to expand it to eight. Like, I don't think if you're the seventh or eighth best team in the country that you're really deserving a shot at the national championship. Like, this isn't college basketball. Like, we don't need more teams. And even if we expand to more teams, like, Everybody complains about the fifth team that gets left out. But if we expand into eight, everybody's going to complain about the ninth and tenth team getting left out. If we expand into 16, everybody's going to complain about the 17th and 18th, 18th team getting left out. So I think four is perfect. I don't really care that it's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State every year. 
Um, those where the best players are, that's where the money is, that's where everybody wants to watch. So, I mean, I really don't have a problem with how it is right now. And people are saying, oh, this Notre Dame-Alabama game isn't even going to be close at 17 points. I think if we expanded it to eight, <laughs> you're telling me you don't want to even really watch the Alabama-Notre Dame game, that won't be a game that won't be competitive. If you go to eight teams, people will start getting hurt. Yeah. I mean, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't want to do that. Also, it's just a waste of Alabama's time, quite frankly. I mean, they, they should be prepping for I guarantee you they're already thinking about Clemson or Ohio State. I guarantee you they've already started some sort of prep on them, uh, in addition to Notre Dame, because, you know, Nick Saban's a crazy person and definitely has Notre Dame backwards, forwards, in and out, all of that. But, I mean, th- they know they're beating Alabama. They're they're on to the next one as well, I guarantee you. Yeah, like I don't, like you said with injuries, I don't want to watch, um, like, Devontae Smith or Najee Harris go down in a game against Cincinnati um, or Coastal Carolina in the opening playoff round, and then they're not there for the rest of the run. Like, I don't. I don't think like so. What do you think of the notion that um, I know I've heard a lot of people say that they should just have a group of five national championship, and I don't think that really takes away from them as like as a team. If you win, if like like oh they were just the group of five national championship, I don't think that takes anything away from them. Like if I could see like San Jose State and Cincinnati play in a marquee game, I'm here for it. I know ESPN would love it for money. Um, the fans will love it. People are going to tune in. It would be a highly rated game. So, I mean, what do you think of that notion that they should just have a separate group of five national championship if they're never going to let a group of five team in to the regular playoff? Yeah, actually, I'd be really interested to see how that's received. I think right off the bat, one of my first thoughts is if you're a group of five team, you either love it and they're like, yeah, man, we got our own championship. We got our own national championship. Or you're also like, wait, why Why can't we play with the big guys? Why can't we play with the, group of five, with the power five team? And I think you probably get a little bit of pushback both ways. Um, I honestly think that the group of five national champion sorts itself out with that at-large bid into the New Year's Six Bowl. And especially if you can be one of those Power Five teams, I think that's like your national championship if you're a group of five team. So being able to play one of the big boys, quote-unquote, and, and, and give them a game and even beat them like UCF did a couple of years ago. I mean, obviously, they thought they won the national championship. Kendall, they, they literally still to this day claim they won the national championship that, that day. So I think that just goes to show how much uh, these New Year's Six games mean to those kind of teams. Um, I think it's a cool idea. I just wonder how well it would be received from some of those teams. Because if, if I'm on UCF and they tell me, yeah, you're going to play for the national championship, it better be against Bama, it better be against Clemson, it better be a legit national championship uh, for me to feel like, you know, that's going to be uh, – UCF was a poor example because they already are living in a land where they think they won the national championship. So uh, I'm just saying as a competitor, I think you want to play the best competition in order to have the best prize. So uh, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see. I think it's, I think it's a good idea, but it'd be interesting to see how it's received. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I, I see like I see what you're saying, like both sides of it. Um, like, yeah, like you're at UCF or Cincinnati or one of these other um, really good group of five schools. You're like, yeah, I'm a Division one athlete too. Um, I know some of these teams, like a lot of these guys have NFL guys on their roster, like Cincinnati. Um, I'm not saying Desmond – well, Desmond Ritter, I don't know if he's not an NFL quarterback, but he's a really good – college quarterback and I know in that secondary they have a lot of NFL guys there and you know they got that mindset um I'm a huge like as a huge competitor and they want to play these top dogs and then so my thing for that is like the athletic directors of those schools need to do a better job if they want to really do it then schedule these other games schedule big opponents I know UCF um a couple years ago so they wanted to play um Florida so they wanted a home and home series for Florida. 
no, you're playing Florida. It's Florida. Go to them twice if you really think you're that top dog. And then earn it after that. Boise State earned it. Remember, I think it was 20, 2009 or 2010 or something like that, where I think it was like a marquee game where Virginia Tech came to them and stuff like that. And it was a big deal. You know, ACC team going to the blue turf at Boise. They've earned that right. And I think you have to earn that right if you're these group of five teams. Go schedule them. I know Cincinnati played Ohio State a couple years ago. I mean, last year. And they got blown out. But schedule these games if you really want to be in that conversation. Increase your strength of schedule. So, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I know the schedule is already mapped out. It's like 2032, but schedule no, big opponents. Schedule those games and be dominant in your conference. Don't have a field goal win against Tulsa. Blow Tulsa out of the water and then go be whoever you, your Power 5 opponent is that year or your Power 5 opponent's. Hopefully more than one that year and, and take care of this. Also, we give Boise State so much credit because they did it over such an extended period of time. Like there was three or four years where Boise State was winning a lot of football games. And so that's why we gave them so much credit. And uh, we're, we're going to need to see uh, one of these UCF, Cincinnati, whoever it is, uh, have the coach stick around and, and have that culture continue to, to, you know, extend throughout just one or two seasons because the coach is leaving, it seems like every year. I mean, you know, Luke Nickel would be someone's you know, wish list this year. So uh, all that to say, win your games handily, schedule the big games, and then just, just do it Just do it for a long time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, now as you speak of it, like Chris Peterson was there for a long time at Boise State before he went to Washington. So, I mean, yeah. he had all those years to pull up. I mean, maybe if Scott Frost stayed at UCF, I know that's probably a better job right now anyway than what he's doing at, at Nebraska, but. Yeah. Let's see. Man, all right. Um, let's give out some game balls. So who was your top performer from this weekend? Oh, gosh. Top performer from this weekend. Ah. You know what? I really was impressed by – oh, I really was impressed by Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon had a very slow first half against Northwestern. They're on the ropes. Looks like they may be dealing with some upset situation in the Big Ten championship game. They're already having, you know, if, if they lose that game, they're probably not playing. With the, uh, maybe they are, who used to say. But anyway, um, they would have been very much a, a topic to debate if, if they don't win that game. And Trey Sermon, I think he had 35 yards in the first half. Popped yeah. Off for, was it close to 300? It was 330, 331. Unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, how? Yeah. Unbelievable. And a guy that transferred from Oklahoma to get more of the rock uh, and just came and played the game of his life. So Trey Sermon is, is my game ball for this week. And he's going to have his work cut out for him here in this next round against Clemson. But he is a, he's a fun guy to watch. I'm happy for him that he is able to shine on stage like that after transferring. Yeah. Gus Johnson said it best, run the ball. Because I don't know what they were doing. They, I don't know what they've been doing all season. with. Yeah, I didn't know what they've been doing with him all season. But they leaned on him heavily in the playoff. And he... He carried he singly single handedly carried them into the playoff. Like that was incredible to watch what he was doing. Um just quick note on that game real quick. So um I don't know if you heard, there's a lot of pushback on Justin Fields right now. I've heard like his draft stock or something like that is dropping. Um people really get on him is for performance. Like, oh he played bad against Northwestern. I feel like you you're not really aware if you don't know how good Northwestern was defensively. They were very well coached, they were relentless on Saturday, and they were relentless all year. And that secondary, 
I'm not sure if that secondary is not one of the two or three best in the country, to be honest. Like, that is an, that is an NFL secondary back there. That was, Northwestern was for real. So I don't, I don't like this notion. People like, oh, he struggled against Northwestern. Northwestern was a top five defense all season. That is an NFL secondary that he faced. And he did without his top guy to have receiver. Oh, completely. Completely, yeah. I think Justin Fields kind of catching a bad rap, whether he, whether he deserves that or not. I don't know. But Northwestern is for real. So if you're going to look at the tape, you better look at who Northwestern has on defense during NFL scout because Justin Fields had his hands full with a lot of other good players. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give my game ball to Najee Harris. So they, unlike Ohio State, they leaned on Najee Harris very early and very often. They handed it to him. They pitched it to him. They threw it to him out of the backfield. They flexed him out wide. Two touchdowns on the ground, another three on the air. He might have made his own case to win the Heisman, to be honest. So, I mean, he he did it all for Alabama. And they Florida had no answer, just like everybody else the rest of the year. No answer for Najee Harris. Is it going to be three Alabama players in the Heisman Trophy ceremony this year? They might, as well, right they might as well do the ceremony on Alabama's campus. Whatever their name or their building is, just do the ceremony there. Because those are... You're debating between Mac Jones, um, Najee Harris, and Devontae Smith. I know Trevor Lawrence, if people want to give him votes, but I mean, I think, I don't know, I think his stats don't match up just because he missed a couple of games. How fair that is, I don't know, but he definitely deserves some praise for the season that he had this year, but I don't think what he did statistically really matches up just because of the games that he missed. Yeah, with COVID, it's just tough. A part of me hopes he comes back next year because I think he'd be, I don't want to say runaway favorite, but he would be a, a pretty uh, pretty strong favorite to win the thing if he comes back next year. Also, probably wouldn't have to play for the Jets or the Jaguars or whoever's <laughs> going to try and take him there at one. So it could be a win-win Trevor if you're listening. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think missing those games just hurts him. I wish there was a different case and that we were able to have a more tight race between Alabama and someone else. but. It's looking like it's going to be all Alabama here down the stretch. Yeah. Also, so speaking of uh, game balls, I want to give another quick shout-out to that Oregon defense. Kayvon Thibodeau, a game wrecker. He's I'm not going to say he's Chase Young yet, but, I mean, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, unblockable. Like, there's been no answer for him since he was a freshman. Um, Diamador Lenore probably the best outside corner in the conference in the Pac-12. Jamal Hill balled out, Verone McKinley, uh, Noah Sewell, uh, Jordan Scott. Like, that defense is a defense full of big-time ballers. Like, they've been good for the last couple years on that side of the ball. That's really impressive. Speaking of um, on the guys that they that opted out this year, you talk about Thomas Graham, uh, Brady Breeze, um, Javon Holland, they lose Troy Dye, and they – and they go out and they still win the conference. That is very impressive. And they went at they went to USC and they took care of business. Yeah, I mean, you hit it on the head. They've got ballers all over, even with so many guys opting out. And here's my question, because it's been kind of a debate. I know you and I went to high school with Jake Olson, the long snapper who went blind from USC, and he obviously is, you know, pretty biased in this take. But he tweeted something out. He said, make no mistake, Oregon is not the Pac-12 champions. <laughs> Again, Oregon replacing Washington after Washington had too many COVID tests uh, that w- that went positive and kept them from being able to play in that game. What's your take on this? Is no. this a legitimate no. championship for the Ducks? Jake, 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 Jake. I love Jake. 
But I'm sorry, my man, you are wrong. Oregon, no. USC's job was to play whoever lined up in front of them on that Friday night. They got to play at home. So, I mean, like, Oregon came on four days' notice and stuff like that. So, I mean, no. I'm so, I'm sorry, Jake, but no. Like, Oregon went into the Coliseum, and they took care of business again on USC. Your job is to whoever lines up in front of you. I don't care if you're playing. Um, I don't care if Oregon State gets in the game or, or Utah or Sacramento State. Your job is to win who plays in front of you. So, I mean, there's no asterisk there with Oregon. I know Washington was supposed to play in the game. Honestly, I don't even think Washington would beat USC. So, I mean, but Oregon, no. Oregon won the championship outright. It is theirs to win. I'm with you. I'm with you. And, and the fact that Oregon came on such short notice, I mean, everything favored USC. So whatever you want to say about Oregon going to win, you know, their division in the Pac-12 or what have you, they showed up with everything against them on the road. And it wasn't even that close for the majority of the game. It was like two scores, if I'm not mistaken, for the majority of the game. I know USC made it close to the end, but it, it wasn't as close as the final score shows. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's disappointing, man. Like, I don't know. Like, US, they had it. They had it. They, they had took it. care of business all year. Like, it's so, like, it's so frustrating as a supporter of USC watching these teams like Oregon and Arizona State be filled with Southern California kids. Like, Kayvon, Kayvon Thibodeau is right there in L.A., and yep. uh, Lenore is right there in L.A., and all these guys, and they're playing for Oregon and Arizona State. Like, respect to Herm Edwards and Mario Cristobal and that staff because they can really recruit, but... It is disappointing to see all these Southern California and all these L.A. guys not playing for USC. Like, five years ago, automatic, they go to USC. Ten years ago, yes, nobody yes. even bothers coming in to talk to these guys because they know they're going to USC. I was, I was going to say the exact same thing. When USC was dominant, when USC was USC, if you were a kid that was remotely good at football and you were in Southern California, you were going to USC. There were, there were three stars turning down other Pac-12 schools to walk on at USC. I mean, that that's kind of the, what, what the case was. So USC, from a recruiting standpoint, just hadn't been able to compete with some of these other flashy schools for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, they got to they gotta upgrade that staff. I mean, I don't – it makes it harder to get rid of Helton now and stuff like that. I think, one, you know, it's a COVID era, the buyout, but then also, right. well, what are they, 6-1 and one or something like that. But they need to upgrade the staff. That was the big thing for um, Pete Carroll back in the day. And then even with uh, Orgeron in his short uh, stint there, and then Sark too, that they could recruit, that they can bring in guys, and that's just not the case anymore. So, I mean, who knows if that changes? I mean, who knows? I mean, I know these kids now, even in these recruiting classes, so, like, um, just, like, I know, like, the kids over here, like, modern day, and out here in the IE and stuff like that, like they don't even they don't even bother talking to USC. Like their USC is not even on the radar. And then also like um, I know it was a thing when we were in high school and stuff like that, talking to um, some of these guys, and they're like, yeah, USC didn't even contact me. Like I have really not even heard from USC. And like my thought process is, how are you? 
first of all, you got to be dominating your, your state, your region. But how are you not having conversations with these top guys? Like, it didn't make any sense to me. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. My biggest fear here is that USC would become what Texas is now with how much of a big name job the USC head coaching position would be whenever Coach Helton decides to either move on or, or gets pushed out. Uh, my concern would be that that's just a big job that's run by the boosters, which it seems like it sort of is at Texas. And it's going to be something that I think you probably hesitate to uh, to take if you're looking at a, a head coaching job. If I'm a, a free agent head coach and I'm looking for the next big job, I might think twice before I take a job like Texas or a job like USC with how involved some boosters are because that just is so toxic and doesn't allow you to run your program. And so, uh, I mean, that's my fear that USC becomes what Texas is now. I don't think they're there yet. I think USC is probably in a better spot, especially from a culture standpoint. Uh, but they, they're trending in that direction ever so slightly. Yeah. I mean, one can only hope they get back to the glory days. I mean, yeah. I mean, one, the, the Pac-12 has got to upgrade just in general. You know, they got to be – they got to establish themselves as a – as really a Power 5 conference still because I know people really refer to it as the Power 4, really, with, with the Pac-12 you know, and then with USC losing again, you know, it doesn't it doesn't help the case the highest ranked Pac twelve team and they lose. Again. So I mean who knows? I mean who's it? Oregon I don't know. I mean so let me get your take on this. Mario Cristobal. So my thought process is I know Oregon offered him an extension. I know Auburn would probably pay him more money, but I mean, why would you want to go be um, you know, second in your state to save him for the next seven years or, you know, be the fourth best team, fourth best team in the SEC when you can continue to build a power at Oregon. Yeah, I mean, what, what really is the appeal there? You obviously, you know, the SEC, I guess, Auburn has had a lot of success in recent years, but so has Oregon in their own right. And also the backing of Uncle Phil. And Nike, there's so much firepower there to recruit and be successful and really run the Pac-12. I think there's so much opportunity right there. But, yeah, I'm with you. Auburn's probably a cool job and probably a cool idea on paper, more so than it is in reality. I think Oregon's Oregon's the right job, 1,000%. Yeah, stick with it. You're dominating and recruiting. You're getting all these L.A. guys. People, everybody wants to go to Oregon. Like, right now, like right now, Oregon, Oregon is for years now, actually. They've been ahead of USC. In terms of, um, you know, their staff, uh, recruiting, facilities. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Like, I, I understand, you know, the, the money appeal. That's always a, that's always a big thing. But I mean, Oregon's throwing some chunk of change his way, though, that offered him six years, 27 million. That's to keep me around, especially if I already am <laughs> comfortable at Oregon, the more winning Rose Bowls. I mean, they love him there. Why would you leave? I hope, I hope he stays put. I'm yeah. Sure. What is that? So, like, four and a half a year? I mean, or, I mean Auburn probably – yeah, Auburn probably threw, like, six or something like that. <laughs> but, I mean, why go to Auburn so you can lose to Alabama every year? Because – I don't get it. I'm with you. I yeah. don't get it. Alabama's not going anywhere. I don't, like, I don't, get, yeah. I don't get the appeal. Alabama will be – they'll play off again next year. In probably twenty twenty six, those probably still be in the playoff. Like, so I mean, I guess, I guess we'll see. What 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 is today? The twenty second. Mm-hmm. When like when would he make a decision? 
within the next. I would be very surprised if it, I I would think after the bowl game they'll make a decision. I'd be surprised if it's not Oregon. Uh, I mean, it, it makes no sense to go to Auburn if you're in. Like I think you and I would both agree. I'm sure there's other factors that play into it that fans just aren't aware of, and us as students of this game aren't aware of. But going to Oregon or sorry, excuse me, leaving Oregon for Auburn just doesn't make a lot of sense. Including financially, you know they'll take care of him in Eugene. You know yeah. they're going to take care of him and give him whatever he really needs. And if what, what can you do with four and a half million a year that you can't do with whatever Auburn's trying to throw at him? You know, <laughs> you're probably going to get the same kind of housing in Oregon right. that you could in Alabama. I mean, what I'm saying. Yeah, he's a, he's a rock. Sales tax too in Oregon. Oh really? <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a best kept secret. Might have to think about Oregon now. I might have to move to Oregon. I did not know that Oregon was also a state with no state tax. But, I mean, he's a rock star. No, 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 no sales tax. No sales tax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's different. But, I mean, still. That's the that's, 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 still. <laughs> oh, man, what? In California, you got to pay for bags. Like, that is. Yeah. <laughs> that is, I don't know what that is, like. I always forget too, like whenever I go out of state and stuff like that, like that you don't have to pay for bags. And then when I come back, like you get a bag. I'm like, how many bags did you get? And stuff like that. Or you got to ask for them. Like it's a grocery bag. I'm with you. I don't know what the uh, state of the grocery bag has come to these days, but in Oregon, at least they're not charging you anything more than that label. Uh, when it comes to buying groceries, you're, you're, you're getting what you see is what you get. Yeah, that's clutch. Well, JD, I want to thank you again. For agreeing to come on the podcast, man. Always love your take, man. Always kill it. Great insight, man. Bring the energy. Love it every single time. Man, I appreciate you having me on the best podcast in sports. And excited to do it again after uh, some bowl game action here next Monday. Yeah, let's make it happen. Can't wait, brother. Yep.